Well, thank you. I'm to do this and just be a part of the series on Habakkuk. And hopefully it's been good. It's been short. We've done two weeks already, and we've looked at the first two chapters, and today we're going to look at the final chapter. And so I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and head to Habakkuk chapter 3. We're just going to kind of walk through that little by little uh, throughout the day. It will be on the slides as well, so if you don't have a Bible in front of you or your Bible app, I mean, you can follow along there as well. Um, but just as a reminder, as we've been going through this series, Habakkuk's name means wrestler. And so he is one who is wrestling with some tough questions, some things that are heavy on his heart and things that he's he's experiencing, and he's just been asking God about these questions. He's observed the situation that he's seeing in the nation of Judah, and there it's troubling. He's seeing not only the the, the social dynamic and the, the pitfalls that they are falling into, but he knows that there are some international things at work as well, and he's just wondering what all is going to happen, and he's troubled. He's trying to reconcile his understanding of God and his character with what he's observing. And so we arrive then at chapter 3. And we read at the very beginning of this, in verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigionath. And you, there are probably multiple ways to pronounce that word, but that's what we're going with today. Um, the challenge that he faced and the challenge that we experience even today is learning to trust God, even though it doesn't always make sense. And so Habakkuk says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to come to the Lord and I'm going to just pray and lay things out before him. And even though it doesn't always make sense, he's, he's learning I need to just trust the Lord. And that's really the whole concept of faith, isn't it? That we learn to trust God even though we may only see in part and perhaps we don't even see at all what God is doing, where he's working, what's he up to. Faith is often a process. And when we first first come to faith in Jesus, it's it's great and glorious and bliss, right? Right? We, we come to that point and we experience his salvation. We're on cloud nine because our sins are forgiven. We have salvation. We are now a child of God. And somewhere along the line, things change only in our mind. Our status doesn't change, but in our mind, we begin to experience life on earth. Life on earth continues on, and we experience the things that bring us down from cloud nine. We live in a world that is broken down because of sin and its effects, and we see those things kind of come against us from time to time. And we now have questions because we thought that everything would be hunky-dory in Christ. And that's a very spiritual term, right? Find it in First Mitch chapter 1, hunky-dory in our life with Christ. So faith shifts into a process of figuring out how to strengthen your resolve in the midst of questions in the midst of struggles and suffering. We see in Habakkuk, he was not afraid to be honest and vocalize his questions to God. He had faith in God, even while he had questions. And I think that's something for us to be able to take away, that we can have questions. We can, we can ask and we can wonder and we can be perplexed. And that doesn't diminish that we still have faith in God. We're just trying to navigate 
the life that we have in front of us. And we're trying to figure out how do we continue to move forward. And sometimes you're just overwhelmed by the situation that you find. And so in Habakkuk's wrestling, he was trying to work it all out in his head and in his heart. I think it's fair to say that individuals and even nations experience suffering and pain in varying degrees. Personally, I've experienced some trying times and situations, but I know several people around me who have suffered more deeply and experienced greater trauma and pain than I ever have. I hope that I ever will, to be honest. So I know that there are, unfortunately, people who are greater experts in the topic of suffering and pain than me. I can understand it conceptually in my mind. I can see topics of pain and grief and sorrow in Scripture. Yet, that in some ways, it's just head knowledge. But I know others who have lived it, and they've experienced it, and they have dealt with it in, in great ways. And in those periods and situations of pain and suffering, questions bubble up, and they come to the surface, the forefront of our experience. We wrestle with the same kinds of questions that Habakkuk vocalized. We've talked about it over the past couple of weeks. Why? How long, Lord? How much more am I going to have to endure and, and deal with? And as we get to this final part of Habakkuk, we find a key lesson that he teaches us. I may not understand the why or the how long, but I have come to put my faith in the who. I may not understand the why or the how long, but I've come to put my faith in the who. I know that I can trust God, even if I have questions or I'm still trying to work things out. And this reminds me of this story in the account of a man in Mark chapter 9. It tells us of a man who has a similar experience. And it says, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think there's many of us who find ourselves in that position or frame of mind. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, I know you are able, but there are times when I feel like I can't, I don't have enough faith and, and belief to make it happen. Pardon me, I'm getting over a cold. We believe God and we come to him in faith, but hard times challenge our faith and we may be uncertain we may say, if you can, God, do such and such. If you can. We know in our heads that God can, but there's that element that says, but I don't know if you really will. 
I don't know if you want to in this situation. And so we ask, will you, God? And he says, I can, if you believe. And in those moments, we get in that situation and we say, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. I have these doubts, and I need to overcome those doubts. So help me with that. Help me to overcome those areas of disbelief, of doubt. Those areas that we're just not sure. And in this chapter of Habakkuk, this prayer that he raises, we find three things that help us, I think, as we wrestle through the process of faith in the midst of questions. We can, one, remember his faithfulness, two, rest in his plan, and three, rely on his strength. First, we can remember his faithfulness. Let's look at verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. As Habakkuk offers up this prayer and as he attempts to have faith in the midst of his situation, he recollects the experiences where God has intervened on behalf of his people. He's heard the reports. He's he's heard all of the tradition of the Jewish nation, how God has been faithful time and time again. And he says, Lord, revive it. Bring it again. Do it again. And he even says, I know that you've even, in these last reports that you've talked to me, you've said, I'm bringing judgment. I'm bringing the wrath that is due to the nation. And Habakkuk still asks, even in your wrath, Lord, remember mercy. We don't deserve it, but remember mercy. Perhaps you would be merciful on us. He essentially says, I will respect you for what you have already done. I will trust you based on your past works. Now, would you do it again? And there's, this reminds me of a scene from the 1994 animated movie, The Lion King. Anyone seen that? And in the middle of the movie, there are the hyenas. Okay, the, you know, the comic relief portion of, of the movie. And the, the three hyenas are talking and they're, they're just, you know, going on and on about Mufasa. And, and the scar, the other lion comes along and he's, he's like, what are you guys yammering about? And, and they're just like, oh, it's just you, Scar. We're looking for someone who's got some more power to his name. And one of them yells out, Mufasa. And the one shudders. He's like, ooh, do it again. Mufasa, ooh, do it again. And that's kind of this idea, in a sense, that I get that we want the Lord to do it again. Do those things that he's done that have just brought us awe and wonder. Those ways that he has intervened on our behalf. Those ways that we've seen in our lives or in the lives of those around us where he's done some incredible things. And we say, Lord, would you do it again? And in verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk recounts in figurative, poetic language how God has acted on behalf of his people throughout history. And he offers it up as a prayer that God would do it again. Verses 3 and 4, 
God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Habakkuk recalls how God met with his people on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. He saw that the Lord came, and the the account of Moses was that he came, and there were magnificent signs and wonders in the heavens and on the mountain as he revealed his glory, not only to Moses, but to all the people. And in Exodus 19, you can read about the people of Israel just kind of shuddered in awe. They, they, wanted, they, they actually got a little scared and they said, I don't know that we can handle this. So, Moses, you go. You, you go on our behalf. And Moses was able, throughout that period, to just behold the glory and magnificence of the Lord. How his, his splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. Verse 5, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. When Israel was in bondage in Egypt, the Lord God moved on their behalf by bringing in multiple plagues upon their masters, upon the Egyptians who held them in bondage. He brought frogs and flies, gnats and hail, and he even brought the death of the firstborn in order to free his people from bondage. God did it back then, and Habakkuk is saying, maybe you can do it now. Maybe you can bring this about again in our time, because we need a deliverance. Verses 6 and 7, he stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His ways, or his were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Now Habakkuk looks at Israel coming out of the wilderness and entering the promised land. The Lord went before his people and made a way into the promised land. Those nations that looked to be unshakable, those nations that looked like they were fixtures in that land, God began to move before them. He tore them down and he defeated them before his people because this was the land that he had promised them. He had said, I am bringing you into a land filled with milk and honey. And yes, there are people already there, but watch what I'm going to do. And Habakkuk hearkens back to that idea and he says, God, look what you did in the past. Do it again. He caused those previously powerful nations to tremble in fear before the Israelites. And he was asking, now, do that again. Verses 8 through 10 say this. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. As as Habakkuk talks about the rivers and the sea, I see him recalling the accounts of the Red Sea being parted before the Israelites so that they could walk on dry ground and pass through into freedom. And then... 
to just put a nice little touch on it. He delivered them from that bondage in Egypt as Pharaoh and his armies went through that same sea and they were all drowned because he brought the waters back on them. The raging waters came back on them and Moses or, and Habakkuk is saying, God, could you do that again? Something in that nature. And then how the Lord stopped the flow of the Jordan River so that the Israelites could enter into the land he had promised them as their inheritance. He was going to move earth and sea, sky, all those things on behalf of his people. Are you starting to feel the rising faith that Habakkuk is having at this point? That is, he's recounting these things and how the Lord was moving on behalf of his people. He would do it even now in some way, in some form. Maybe he doesn't know and doesn't understand, but he's saying, God, you've done these things in the past. Would you do it again? Let's look at verse 11. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the end in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. Habakkuk recalls the conquest of the promised land. And in that opening verse 11, you know, I, I, I see that story of Joshua and the people of Israel as they're fighting a battle against a multi-army crew. And the Lord worked on their behalf to keep the sun and the moon standing still for almost an entire day. He kept them in place so that Israel could have the victory, that the enemy would not be able to escape, that they would be thoroughly and utterly defeated. And God caused all those things to happen. He went out with his people and fought for them. Joshua 10.42 talks about that the Lord fought for his people, Israel. And the Lord fights for us even today. All the heavenly bodies, as well as the earth and the seas, are under God's command. And he can use them in whatever way in order to accomplish his purposes. He will stop sun and moon. He will stop the heavens. He will stop the, the tides on behalf of his people to accomplish and fulfill his purposes. And just like Habakkuk, it is good for us to remember his faithfulness in the midst of his situation. We need to remember the accounts of what God has done in the past. In scripture, and even the lives of past and current believers, and even our own lives. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what God has already done in our lives. You may face a situation, you may say, okay, God, you did this when I was 15 or 35 or whatever. You can do this now. And I'm asking you to do this again. And that we can remind ourselves then that God is capable, that he is faithful, and that he's merciful to intervene on our behalf. 
We can cling to the truths and promises of God to remember just who God is and the greatness of his character. And so as we remember his faithfulness, I think a component of that is that we can remember his character. And I'm going to just delineate a few things here on on his character. There are so many more, but these are the ones that just kind of bubble up in my mind. Number one, God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 9 says this, Anyone who does not love God, or does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Thank the Lord that he is love. That we can remember that in the midst of our situation, he loves us immensely. And more than we can ever think about or imagine. God loves us. We also know that he is sovereign. Basically, he's in control of all things. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He has everything worked out. He is working everything out in our lives, in, on a micro level and at the macro level. He's putting everyone into place where they need to be at just the right moment, and he is bringing things to pass just as they need to be. And he has us in the palm of his hands because he is holding all things together. We also know that God is omnipotent, which, in case you don't know, just means that he's all-powerful. Mark 10, 27 says this, Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. That's something that we can remember. All things are possible with God. You need God to intervene in that situation, God can do it. He can. He's working out his plan because as we remember, he is sovereign and he's moving and doing the things that need to be done, but he can intervene and he can work and do what needs to be done in that situation. We also remember that God is good. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Just as he is love, just as he is sovereign, just as he is omnipotent, God is good. There is no hint of evil in him at all. 1 John chapter 1 talks about that, that in him is light and there is no darkness at all. We know that God is good. And one of the, my favorite things to remember is that God is unchanging. Malachi 3.6, the Lord is declaring to his people himself, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. And I also know from the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. And so those things I can remember that what he did in the past, he can do even now. And what he's doing now, he can do again in the future. It may look a little different. It may 
seem like, oh, I wish you could do it that way. But he's going to work and he's going to move in just the right way at just the right time because he is faithful and true. He is unchanging. He is good. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. And he is love. Amen, right? Amen. All right. Just making sure you're awake. Next, we can remember that we can rest in his plan. As, God, as Habakkuk remembers God's faithfulness and character, he is then able to rest in his plan. Verse 16 says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Even though hard things are part of what may come and perhaps will come, even though that scares me at times, I will wait and I will trust your process. I will continue to put my faith in you even though it's difficult right now. Even though I'm in a a tumultuous time and I don't know what is going on, I don't know what end is up, I'm going to kind of come back, I'm going to center myself on you and say, I'm going to rest in your plan and I'm going to know that you are able and faithful. And if you notice here in this verse, these are some pretty deep physical feelings that he's having in this moment. That my lips are quivering at the sound. My body is trembling. He says rottenness is entering into his bones. Like they're failing him. They're, they're kind of decaying. His legs are trembling beneath him. He's weak in the knees. For all of you millennials and Gen X, he's shook. Okay? And if you get that, that's really good. If not, it's okay too. Just know that he is feeling it deeply and physically in his body. Like all of these things, I am feeling so heavy. I'm feeling the pain. I'm feeling the agony. I'm feeling the burden of what you have just told me and what I am seeing all around me. Lord, I don't know if I can take it, but I'm going to rest in your plan. I'm going to trust in you. And just as the Lord had told him earlier in Habakkuk that he was going to not only bring judgment through Babylon, but then he was going to judge Babylon, Habakkuk just says, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Like, I see that we're about to, we're about to go through it. We're about to go through the ringer. But I'm going to wait in faith and in patience, and just trust you, knowing that you're going to make it right at some point. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know you're going to make it right because you are faithful to your word. And what would actually happen, I don't know if Habakkuk actually ever saw, but it came a good 70 to 80 years after This all came, Habakkuk was going through this. Before the deliverance of his people out of exile came back. So we know that some of these grand things, they may not happen right away. It may be a long time. 
you may experience some of that pain and suffering for a long time. But God is faithful. And often we have visceral, deeply felt reactions in the moments that we experience that pain. A lot of us can remember where we were on 9-11. We can remember how things began to unfold on that day. And some of us had deeply physical, visceral reactions. Some of us wept. Some of us just like shuddered in fear. Some of us just, what in the world is going on? And there are incidents that continue to happen even today. We hear about mass shootings all of the time. And sometimes we just wonder, what in the world, God? What is going on? What am I going to do? Or maybe you've received just troubling news. And you, you just, you feel it so deeply. And in those moments, we're shook. In those moments, we, we, we feel like our bodies just kind of, ooh, I need to sit down. And we need to just kind of contemplate. And yet when we turn our attention to God and place our faith back in him, we can be assured that he does have a plan that he is working out. And I want to make a note here because I think sometimes we can over-spiritualize it where, well, we have to be rock solid in our faith 100% of the time. Yes, however, the reality is we get shook. We get troubled by our situations. And I don't think that makes us any less people of faith when we just kind of wonder and we just kind of, oh, I need a moment. We don't have to be having perfect faith all of the time. And the reason I say that is I look at Scripture and I see over and over again, there are countless stories of people who they were shook for a little while and they had to work through it. But when they recentered their lives, then they could gain that perspective and they could rest in his plan once again. They could see that God either is or was going to be faithful, that he was working things out. And I think for us, you know, it may be a process to just kind of work through it and to kind of get to that point of, okay, this is the situation I'm, I'm processing it in my mind. Now I can really put my full attention on the Lord again and say, okay, God, I'm leaving this in your hands. You need to take over. You need to do what only you can do because I know that I can't. And that's where we can rely on his strength. The last three verses of Habakkuk say this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. That's a pretty dismal picture, I'm just going to say. Nothing's growing. No animals are alive. It's pretty bleak out there. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. 
He makes me tread on high places. And to close it off, he says to the choir master with stringed instruments, like, choir master, put that one to music. We're going to need this. This is a high statement of faith to conclude this prayer in this book. Even if things look bleak, even if every single thing seems to be falling apart, and like, what else? What else can go wrong? Even if you find yourself in that situation, you can still come and say, my faith in you, Lord, will continue. My faith is being pushed and pressed a little bit right now, but my faith in you will continue, Lord. And that's my desire, my, is to have it continue. I may have to wrestle with this situation, but I will rely on your strength to get me through. For I know that you will come in and you will work on my behalf. I may not see any evidence of your working and moving, but I will trust you. And I will continue to call on you for your help and your strength. I may be shook, I may be weak in the knees, but I'm going to rely on your strength, Lord. There may be times when you feel that you can't go on, that you have nothing left, but God comes in and he gives us his strength and helps us navigate the situation we find ourselves in. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back to the platform at this time. And as we recap this final chapter of Habakkuk, we have some great resources to help us navigate the world we live in and the situations that we face. We can remember his faithfulness, how throughout history he has worked on behalf of his people. And I think that's one of those areas that sometimes we forget. We think, oh, those were nice stories. I love the story of Moses as he parts the Red Sea. It's so cool. But we don't necessarily say, maybe God could do something like that again. Or we say, the woman with the issue of blood, who's been suffering with this disease for 12 years, She came, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and was instantly healed. Because that was the right time and that was the right place. And we might have to say, that's better than just a a cool story. That God can do this now. Habakkuk knew of all these stories, but he didn't experience them firsthand. He didn't experience the parting of the Red Sea. He didn't experience the sun and the moon standing still. He didn't experience God moving on behalf of the people as he brought them into the promised land. He only knew the stories. And sometimes we have to take by faith that what God has said in his word is true. That what God did in the past, he will do again. That the God who healed Numerous people in the past will heal my need now. That the God who provided for people in the past through sometimes ridiculous ways, he will provide now. That the God who redeemed people out of their brokenness 
and restored them. He will do it again now. So as we close, we're going to just enter into a time of prayer. We can remember his faithfulness. We can remember his character. We can rely on his plan and on his strength. And the worship team is going to lead us in in song and praising our great God. And as they do so, I want to offer an opportunity to come forward for prayer. To just come before the Lord and say, this is what I need. I need you to move in this way now. Because he can and he will according to his plan and his purpose. You may be in the midst of a difficult and a trying situation. Yet we can trust in the goodness and the power and the sovereignty of our loving Father. So if you would like prayer, these altars are going to be open in just a moment. And some designated prayer team members are going to be here. And we're going to pray and believe and ask God to intervene. Whether you need a physical healing. Whether you need to make a decision to follow Jesus and his ways. Because you're saying, I want to follow him. Whatever it might be, the altars are going to be open. And this is going to be an open dismissal. Whenever you feel like you are ready to leave, I invite you to just step out into the cafe visit with some fellow believers and just have a a good time in that regard. But we're going to make this a place of prayer in this moment. So would you stand as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts today. We thank you for this great message of hope that we can find through your prophet Habakkuk. That we can remember your faithfulness that we can remember how you have acted on behalf of your people, not only in the past, but you are doing so even now. And as we do so, we can know that you will be faithful now and that you will give us strength when we feel weak and defeated. So help us by faith to rest in your plan. Help us by faith to rely on your strength. We thank you for your goodness and your love in our lives. We ask that you would do what only you can do. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now go in the grace of God. The altars are open and we are happy and welcoming you to pray for whatever need you might have.